A pleasant good morning to everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Carlos Brown Show. Watch exclusively right here on the Black College Sports Network. March the 18th, the guest menu looks simply like this. Charles Edmond joins us as usual for the whole show, the whole, whole duration of the show. Coach Van Petaway is our next guest. He'll join us uh, in the first hour as well, just a little bit later on. And then an hour number two, Willa Brown uh, joins us here on the Carlos Brown Show. Here's simply what's trending on the show. All of the SWAC HBCU postseason has come to an end. All the participants um, went out in the first round, respectively. Um, Southern University in the play-in game, the NCAA uh, tournament. Also, uh, Jackson State uh, women in the WNIT, they went down to defeat. Texas Southern in the play-in game, they went down uh, to defeat. Well, we'll talk a lot about uh, SWAC basketball uh, coming up. Also, Southern University spring football continues, and the quarterback competition is heating up. And we salute the Southern University women. 2023 SWAC Tournament Champions, also Texas Southern 2023 Men's Tournament Champion. That's what's trending on the Carlos Brown Show. Joined now by Charles Epman of the uh, Alcorn State Radio Network. Charles, good morning to you. It's still a great day, although all of the respective HBCU uh, basketball teams, they went down in the postseason play. Yes, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, it, it is a kind of a bummer, you know, when the season is over, um, it, it's kind of a void because you're so used to the rhythm of basketball season. And, um, you know, in a span of 24 hours, Alcorn's men's team was eliminated in the NIT, Jackson State's women's team eliminated in the WNIT, Southern University eliminated, and then Texas Southern's men uh, eliminated. Kind of disappointing in some of those games. You know, you 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 look at what Texas Southern did and, and they got eliminated. And then that team that beat them was only the second team to knock off a number one seed. So it just shows you that March Madness is here. March Madness started the SWAC tournament, actually. And now you're seeing it even more so here the first couple of days of the big dance. But, you know, congratulations to all the teams in the conference that made it. It's not easy to get there, and you just want to continue on. But unfortunately, it didn't happen, and now you just kind of get ready for the upcoming season. And look, Carlos, I mean, I know this is a conversation that we'll probably get into. You know, I know it's been out there on social media in terms of our seating and standings and, you know, Grambling didn't go and all that. I mean, we can have that conversation, but it's kind of a dead horse of a conversation because we've had it every year. The commissioner has talked about it, and I interviewed him before we went to Indianapolis. He kind of gave some keys in terms of what it's going to take, and at-large bid as well as automatic. I mean, he says that we're a little closer, but still a long ways to go, but there has to be some philosophical changes, some philosophical you know, attitude changes in terms of scheduling. You know, we got to schedule differently. We got to schedule better, and we have to eliminate some of these non-D1 games that we play. And so there's 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 got to be some, some tough – conversations had if if we want to get to where we want to be. And to me, 
that means avoiding the play-in if possible, avoiding a 16, a 15 or 14. We've seen those upsets be in the best possible posture. There's a formula for that. And the commissioners talked about it. The question is, from a from an individual school's perspective, do schools and ads and coaches want to go down that path? That's got to be the brutal question that that has to be asked and answered if we want to be in a better posture in the postseason. Well, you're right. Um, had this discussion many times, and just my position is once again. I'll talk about it again. And I promise not to be long-winded about it. You have a choice. If you're director of athletics in this conference, I know it has been a tradition to play a lot of money games, guarantee games. But, you know, my position with that is I, I, I wouldn't eliminate them totally, but you have to focus maybe on scheduling uh, some mid-majors and be successful in the competition against them because we know as a conference, although you're made up of 10, 12 now, individual teams of programs, now you you have to do what's best for the conference. And to, to get that net rating up, that RPI as a conference, you're going to have to change your philosophy. With your scheduling, you mentioned it. Um, yeah, not playing Division um, Two NAIA schools, but here is the crux of the matter: most athletic directors, and I've interviewed a couple. Coach Banks being one, he knows that that's the direction you have to go in, but they're not there yet because you're caught between monies that have to be brought in, not only, you know, for the basketball program, but into the athletic department. And so that's why you've seen in the past, and we talked about it, you're on the road a lot for the non-conference games. In some cases, all of, you know, in certain years, we saw Texas Southern do it, I believe, Arkansas Pine Bluff. But then, of course, you're not going to be as successful going up against those type of teams in basketball. So, you're at the crossroads. Do you want to have a chance to grow the conference from a basketball perspective and look at a future goal of at-large bids? Then everybody's got to change their, their scheduling philosophy. And I know you got to try to balance it with, you know, bringing money into, into the programs, the basketball programs. But that's just where you're at. It's simple. Are you going to do it? Or are you going to continue to do what you've been doing? And if you do do that, then it's still going to be a one big league for the NCAA tournament. Regular season champions, they can go to the NIT on the men's side, WNIT. Then they have, um, you know, some other tournaments out there. But I think the goal is to get better as a conference, individual schools, programs, and get better. I'm tired of having the discussion, quite frankly, because the blueprint is out there. You, you know what has to be done. So what do you do? What is Alcorn State's athletic director position on all of this? What's Dr. Cable? Alabama State, I'm just putting out some names. Kevin Granger, Roman Banks, 
I just told you what he said. There you have it, Charles. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't take months and years to figure it out. You got to do what's right if you want to grow as a conference competing in basketball. You're, you've been at the crossroads. What is, what is your decision going to be? What is it going to be? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, on one hand, you have the commissioner that's in the middle. You have your ADs on one end. And let's be honest, I mean, the commissioner, you know, works for the ADs and presidents. And then you have the coaches on the other end. Um, my guess, my take is that the ADs are going to do what their bosses recommend that they do. And so for your, you're talking about your ADs, they report to the president. And obviously your chief fiscal officer that's watching all the dollars for the campus and athletics. And if your CFO and president says, hey, coach, you got to bring in $700,000 in guarantees and non-conference, what's that going to look like? And so therefore, you wind up giving up a lot of the stuff that we've talked about. Commissioner talked about the quad one games that we have to play. And some of those quad one games don't come with necessarily with the big guarantees like you would play a Michigan State and get 100000 or a Duke where you get 100000 or North Carolina where you get 100000 Some of those quad one wins aren't those top-tier teams. Some of those quad, quad one teams are the high mid-majors in which you might get 75 or 80. But if you have to bring in 700000 in non-conference from the second week in November all the way through December, then you have to do that. And if it means that you don't get the highest bid possible in the NCAA tournament, I think that's just I think that's just the way it works. I don't think there is this overall umbrella thinking throughout the conference one through twelve. I think right now you're at a point in which everyone is kind of looking out for their own best interests in their own institutions. I get it. But my thing is, and I was talking with somebody yesterday about it, we don't pay attention to this stuff, Carlos, in November and December when I'm screaming from the top of the hill saying, look, y'all, college basketball is underway. We need to look at and we need to do better in non-conference in November and December in November and December. But here we are in March. We're going to be grumbling and griping about it. And I'm like, our fate's already determined. Our fate is pretty much determined once the calendar year turns. Just look at what we didn't do in November and December. But we griping about it in March, and I get it. We don't pay attention to swag basketball until we start paying attention to it. But then in March, we start complaining. Grambling should, in my opinion, Grambling had a great year. Grambling should have been mm -hmm. in the postseason. That's a perfect example of an at-large bid. Of course, we're the number one seed. We're the regular season champs. We beat Grambling head up. And, and it's not going to change because some teams are going to play once during the regular season. Some teams are going to play twice. That formula is not going to change. Not going to change. So you got to get it done in the regular season and conference. But again, our fate is determined by that time. Yeah, there's a little bit of jostling that that takes place, but not much. You know, and even even if you watched the selection show last Sunday, North Carolina did decline a bid in the NIT, but mm -hmm. according to According to the reports, if North Carolina had won one more non-conference game in November and December, they would have been in the big dance. They were one of the first four out. 
So even in that case, you're looking at those games in November and December matter to even those teams, the Blue Bloods. So we have to do better in November and December, but we gripe about it in March. But the, the fate, for the most part, is already determined. So we have to do better in terms of scheduling. We have to, as you said, eliminate the 91s. And we got to win some of those games. You know, Coach Reed talked about it after her team lost uh, to Southern yeah. University. She thought maybe her team should have got a shot at the, at the, at the big dance. Um, that wasn't going to happen. I appreciate her honesty about it. I appreciate her honesty about it. And, you know, she had a fairly decent case. She, she referenced the UCLA game in which they were down four with four minutes left. But Jackson didn't have a great non-conference record. I think they were two and seven or three and seven going in. You know, that that can't happen as a league. You know, we've got to be somewhere around 500, including some quad one wins as a league from one to 12, not just two or three teams. It's, it's got to be one through 12. And the commissioner talked about it. You know, I interviewed him before I went to Indianapolis, and he kind of did a little deep dive in it. He says, as far as the men are concerned, we're trending a little bit in the right direction. We're getting four or five teams that understand, but we got to get seven more teams to understand, and that's men and women. And then as far as the NIT is concerned, you know, all right, and something I didn't know until I interviewed IAD the other day, you don't get a guarantee for the NIT. Some of your travel expenses are paid, but mm-hmm. you're going to the NIT for the exposure, you know, for the exposure of your university, for your exposure of your basketball program and your athletic program. North Carolina declined a bid in the NIT, but I'm sure any SWAC team that gets an invite will probably go, and they should go, just like we've been two years in a row. So there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of um, conceptual things and attitudes that have to be changed. It's not going to happen overnight. I'm frustrated, just like a lot of SWAC fans are frustrated. I like to see us a 14 seed or 13 seed. There's a chance because we've seen those upsets. Only twice has a 16 seed beat a one seed, and just in one of those happened last night. The team that beat Texas Southern turned around and beat the number one seed Purdue in Big Ten country. So, I mean, I would like to see a better situation for the SWAC, but do I see it happening anytime soon? I don't. I mean, we're going to have this conversation every year come March. I get it. It's a tough conversation to have. needs to be had. And uh, so we'll just see where it goes from here. But I just I just hate that our seasons have come to an end, whether it's NIT, WNIT, or NCAA. Well, you know, I'm not going to have that conversation next year because, once again, we see what's – the blueprint has been laid out there. It, it goes back specifically what the director of athletics are going to do or the university is going to – change their scheduling philosophies. I understand that they have a boss. I'm sure that they can uh, present it to their superiors uh, what needs to be done. But if it doesn't, then, you know, it's it's no need. And I understand the fans are are, are wondering, you know, they're the ones who are clamoring about what, what what we're not doing. But once again, the blueprint is there. Let's just do it. Let's just do it, make the adjustments. And the director of athletics, I, I know they tell the, the individual basketball coaches, we need to bring X amount of dollars into the program. Well, again, you, you're going to have to adjust or simply stay the way it is 
no growth, one league, one bid league. You're still going to have your tournament champions represent the conference. Regular season champions, they'll continue to go to the secondary tournaments. And that's just the way it is, Charles. I mean, we could keep talking about it, banging our heads on the wall unless you get some help doing it. Unless they change the way their philosophy, that's it. That's it. I mean, my opinions over the years have been the regular season champion, represent a one-bit league. That's not going to happen. So, you know, you move on. You really do. But once again, congratulations to Texas Southern. Uh, what is it? Nine championships in the last 11 years. Mike Davis, uh, Coach Johnny Jones, they get it done. What did they do? Got off to a slow start, correct? Injuries, they had ad- adversity. They overcame those adversity. You know, we talk about that. Um, there's trials and tribulations during a, a basketball season, a conference season. Hats off to them. They were able to get it done. Now, Southern University women's basketball team defeated the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. And uh, I, I think the conversation is watch out for UAPB in the future. They're up and coming, and boy, it, it was a tough game, back and forth, back and forth. But Southern University get it done, and then many said the championship game was defeating Jackson State on the last second shot. You know, last week we talked about mentally, how would this Southern basketball team be? Well, we saw it. They were focused. They were able to get it done to defeat University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. Let's see. 62 to 53, the final score, Southern women over University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. And hats off to uh, UAPV. Um, look, they grind all season, and it is a grind. They were able to uh, get it done. Uh, Texas Southern, of course, uh, defeated uh uh-huh. lost my notes there, Charles. <laughs> Texas. Oh, I'm getting the brain freeze. Texas, Texas Southern defeated who? Grambling. That's what that's what I thought. They defeated uh <laughs> Grambling State, but congrat congratulations to Texas Southern. Now, postseason play, Alcorn, North Texas State. At halftime, Alcorn and NIT down by four points. 30 to 26. They were outscored by 12 points in the second half. Uh, they dropped a 69 to 53 decision to Alcorn State. Good season. Cold regular season champs. NIT for the second year in a row. I think Coach Bussey has done an outstanding job in, in a three year period. What is his mindset, Charles, going into now an offseason where it's a continuous grind? I know he's already looking ahead to next season. 
Yeah, he is. Um, you know, I, I will say this. Um, I think for, for Landon Bussey, this is his third year, three straight years in the tournament. We've lost to Texas Southern. And congratulations, Texas Southern, by the way. And you talk about a standard as far as swag basketball is concerned. I mean, Texas Southern, if you go all the way back, Bob Moreland, Bob Moreland Court, they won championships. Ronnie Courtney, remember Ronnie Courtney? He was the head coach at Texas Southern, was one of the most uh -huh. successful high school basketball coaches in the state of Texas. He won a swag title. Then you have Mike Davis carried that baton. And now Johnny Jones has carried that baton, a team that started 0-5 in conference. I thought they were dead in the water. And they barely got in at 7-11, but then they played their best basketball in the postseason. P.J. Henry was out um, early in the year. They got healthy. And they and and they got it done, um, and of course beating Allcorn and eliminating Allcorn three years in a row in the tournament. Uh, we we lost we lost some key pieces, Carlos. First of all, we didn't have some key pieces going into that North Texas State game. We were without four players, including All Conference center Jeremiah Kendall. Uh, he was out. Keandre Montgomery did not play. Um, so we were without four key pieces going into that North Texas State game. Uh, and we lost three kids due to eligibility that have played out their eligibility. Dontrell McQuarters is one. Otis Walker is another. And another get, kid who's really playing well in the middle of Darius Marshall. Um, I think the future is is, is bright. Landon Bussey now will have to go out and recruit and uh, get some tough-minded kids that can kind of get us to the finish line. I think clearly if you look at Byron Joshua and you look at some of the other kids that we got coming back, I think clearly we've got enough pieces. DK Thorne was a walk-on who who really played well. I think the foundation is there. It's just a matter of adding some more pieces. We're, we're going to need a couple of bigs. Uh, we're going to need another mid. Otis Walker played out of the eligibility. So there's some work to do as far as getting back to where we want to be. Um, it's clearly a disappointment, but at the same time, I think the future is bright and it's just a matter of adding to the pieces. The culture is there, the standards is there. So it's just a matter of going out and, and adding to those pieces. And I think he will. There's no question about it. It's going to be tougher, though. Texas Southern, you expect them to be better. You expect Grambling to be better. Jackson State was a surprise in terms of how deep they got the tournament. They're going to be better. Alabama A&M was a surprise. They'll be better. So it's not going to be any easier as teams continue to elevate. And you have to continue to elevate if you want to continue this, can continue the run of regular season titles and having deep runs in the tournament. Disappointing for Landon Bussey, yes. But he loves a challenge. He provides no excuses. And he says there will be no drop-off, despite the players that we lost. There will be no drop-off. We will be back. I noticed you didn't mention Southern University. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh. Because, well, no, no, no. Because there's still a, a lot of uncertainty from alumni and fans, you know, what what's going to happen. And you think about it. I agree. Everyone's going to improve. That is the goal each and every offseason, to look at the program, open it up, see what you've done well or, or doing well, what you need to improve on, and then work and fix on those things. I mean, Every program you look at, it's a it's a year-round situation, even from the competitive standpoint. And then when you're not competing in the off-season, it's still things uh, that needs to be done and work to uh, to be done. Nothing being said coming out of Baton Rouge one way or the other, 
if you're thinking about will will there be a change? And we, we kind of talked about it in the last couple of weeks. But, you know, I'm thinking if nothing is being said, then maybe the basketball program and A.D. Banks, maybe maybe they're happy at this point right now. Be, you know, and, and maybe because if something, a change was going to happen, do you think something would have been said already? But then maybe not in, in, in Coach uh, Banks' situation at Southern University. But the speculation is out there. A local high school, former Southern University, let's just put it out there, resigned from a high school program. Tremendous record. I mean, state championships left and right. But it may be an opportunity for him. And it, it was put out in the local uh, newspaper here in the Advocate. You know who I'm talking about. Carlos Sample. So apparently he is going to have an opportunity somewhere. So the speculation continues. I'm not saying that, hey, he will be at his alma mater in some fashion, a form, but maybe another opportunity somewhere else on the collegiate level. Until Southern University says something or an official release one way or the other, it will be continued speculation. Coach Woods, is he still going to be at Southern University? Uh, thanks to Mr. Williams, who uh, sent me an email, Show at gmail.com. Contract for Coach Woods officially ends June 30th, 2023. Coach Funches, who I text with this morning, trying to get him on, we couldn't work it out. His contract officially ends June 30th, 2024. Now, they've won a SWAC tournament championship. That's his second one in his tenure. My criteria is that in a five-year period, you can get one championship. And in his case, when we're talking about tournament championships, he's gotten two. He's won two. And he's been there over five years. I would think that he will get an extension. Now, some have said, well, let's see what happens this last season technically for him coming up. But I, I think they're going to, in my humble opinion, I think they're going to give him an extension. On the men's side, I, once again, it's just speculation. I could come on and give you my opinion. I did that last week, what I would do. But but I'm not a, a AD. I'm just a Southern alum. So we'll see, Charles. It's going to be very interesting. Um, Texas Southern, 84-61 to loss to uh, Farrelly Dickerson, FDU. And then they came out and just took out Purdue, as you stated. And they're from a smaller conference. I'm going to go and look at there, or if anybody can look it up now, let's look at their um, non-conference schedule. And let's see and kind of compare and contrast. 
finally, Jackson State women put up a, a, a valiant effort, and they dropped an 11-point decision to Memphis. You got to love Coach Reed, a competitor like Coach Bussey, and they're never satisfied. They're grateful for an opportunity. They're grateful to coach, but they're never satisfied until they can be the best that they can be just from the outside looking in. Um, but uh, a tremendous uh, season for them. You know, they lost to Southern in the SWAC tournament, but you can't negate just a successful season. So for all of the participants in postseason in the, in the Southwest Athletic Conference, uh, good season, very good season, and now looking forward to what next season brings. Coach Funches is out recruiting already, and I'm sure other coaches are doing the same. So it's a year-round cycle, Charles. Um, also, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Uh, Kofi Hemingway, co-host on the OG Strike Zone, uh, passed away. It's a colleague here on the Black College Sports Network. And, Charles, I didn't get to meet him in person, but uh, being a guest on, on their show, the OG Strike Zone, um, very good guy. And, Charles, we never know. We never know when it is time for us to depart this physical earth. But um, he touched a lot of people and just kind of looking at social media. So keep the, the Hemingway family uh, there is a um, place where you can cash out the family uh, during this time, but continue to uh, pray for them and keep them lifted up uh, in, in, in prayers. Um, that's a tough situation. And, and I think everybody in this listening audience and, the, and those who are watching, we've all had to deal with that kind of situation. You have, Charles, I have. And, and it's never easy. And you try to think of something that else that you can say and, and tell uh, the family and those left behind. Um, but just prayer prayer works to keep them uh, lifted up and, and, and think about them. And um, um, Kofi Hemingway has a journey from, from this life. And uh, we wish the best for the uh, the family. Yep. Thank you, Melanie. Um, yeah. Please contribute to his wife. Cash app, A.K.H. Hemingway. Um, so that that was kind of shocking. You know, I kind of woke up to the news, and um, you know, I'm just sad I didn't get a chance to meet him in in, in person. But again, uh, I talked with him on the OG strike. Uh, zone and um, very good guy, humble, just from what I could see. So once again, prayers for his family. Continue prayers. We're gonna take a time out, Charles. It's uh, eleven thirty-nine Central Standard Time. Other guests on today's show will be Coach Van Petaway. It's gonna be interesting, Charles, because we've kind of talked about it this first hour. Some of the things that. Uh, basketball programs in the conference, what they need to do. You mentioned about the commissioner, Dr. McClellan, uh, offering what needs to be done. So it, it's down to, to this, how quickly 
first of all, will they adapt, change their philosophy? And if they don't, then, you know, I'm not committed to, to, to just keep talking about this five years from now. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I want to see action. You may, you may come in, you may want to do it. You rightfully so can do it. Um, but I like to see our conference get a little, little bit better. Um, now there are success for HBCUs on the division two level in tournament action. Um, you look at some of the, uh, <laughs> brackets you can hear them <laughs> just torn up you i'll tell you this charles pretty much and i was telling my coworker in the tournament you almost you have to be looking over your shoulder if you're a higher seed because those lower seeds are coming and you're going to get their a game and, and and you can see what happened memphis went down so be prepared. I think this is what you're going to see going on in the future. Two words. Transfer portal. Transfer portal. Hmm. Transfer portal. These programs think... are getting better. These lower tier programs in the past are getting better. Transfer portal. There's more talent out there. There's more, more improved talent to choose from. Programs are getting better across the board. Even if you take a look at the SWAC, you take a look at our program, Landon Bussey makes no bones about it. He's always diving into the transfer portal. He's going to probably do it again. Transfer portal. These programs are getting better. Just look at how many players have transferred since the end of college basketball season, over 1,000 already, and it's going to continue to grow. Transfer portal. These well, programs... Be- these kids that have been at these top tier programs, if they feel like they're not the best fit, they're going to hit the portal and they're going to wind up at some of these other programs that might not be top tier on paper, but they will elevate those programs. And I think you're seeing that. It's been talked about already. So I, I think that, and, and this is the other thing about the SWAC too. I mean, we have to continue to hit the portal and improve our product that way. And I know the, the old school mentality of, Getting freshmen and letting them grow, that that's kind of unfortunately for high school kids, it's tough. And you know, I, I hate that. But where we are right now, transfer portal. Coaches are diving in it. Coaches are holding scholarships for kids in the portal. It's happening. And so that's you're talking about upsets. That's a big part of it. Transfer portal. You got a lot of these kids that are winding up, that kid that a kid that may have been at Memphis. Winds up at another school that not may not have the visibility of Memphis, but elevates that particular program. So let's just call that with, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, I think the transfer portal is making a huge impact on these second tier programs. And I think that's a part of the reason why you're seeing some of these upsets and probably going to see some more today. And so I, I, I think that's mm-hmm. the huge issue with these upsets. Transfer portal. These programs are getting better. The lower tier programs are getting better. The mid-major programs are getting better. The top tier programs are still going to get that talent, but the portal's wide open where if you feel like you need to make a move, you're going to make a move. And so I think that's what you're seeing. Purdue goes down. Memphis goes down. Uh, you're you're going to see more. Go Arizona goes down. 
who knows what's to come today. But I think the trailer is a huge reason as to why you're seeing these mid-major programs get elevated. And some of the top-tier programs fall a little bit, transfer portal. So you're saying that's the number one and the only reason? I'm going to have to make a call to Dr. Cavill and see, compare. I I think there were upsets happening before the transfer portal. I know know it's a factor. Then what does it say about coaching? Farley Dickerson. I think their coach came from, I think I'm right, uh, Division Two, and 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 some of those Division Two players transferred in. But what about coaching? I think coaching is still a major part in it. I'm not saying it's just like the, the transfer portal is not important. I know it's a factor, but is it the main and only factor? That I would kind of question, and um, I wonder if you put the numbers up transportal years before, and I think you will see. I think it will be you will see that there were upsets happening even before the transfer transfer portal area. So I don't know. I, I, I'm gonna ask Dr. Cavill. He he's just he's the guy that digs into to the data, and let's see. And he does the research as well. If 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 there are more upsets since the transfer portal, or was it the same amount, or a little bit less, or more, or a comparable number? Yeah, I, I'll I'll clarify what I said. I, I do think there's other factors involved, obviously. But I, I think the trans, what you're seeing, though, is that teams are improving. Teams that you thought wouldn't be there in a tournament situation are there in part because of not in, to, in totality. But the transfer portal is a factor. Maybe, maybe I overstated it and say it being the number one factor. But I think it is a factor. And look, the grind of a college basketball season is real. You know, I, I look at our head coach after we lost that game in North Texas. He just... You know, knowing that he's always focused on the next thing, the next year, he said he just needed a break. And and I've, I haven't heard Randy Bussy say that in three years. This was a grind of a season. So when you when you look at that from a coaching perspective, I do think coaches are a little bit more feistier. I think the money aspect of it, NILs a part of it, transfer portals a part of it. So I do think it's it's a lot of small pieces that are changing. The dynamic of college athletics is changing a little bit. And I think as far as the Blue Bloods and the big boys, they're still going to get what they're going to get. The Kentuckys, the Dukes, the North Carolinas, they're going to get the players that they're going to get. But I do think that if, if, if players don't get what they feel like that they should, playing time or whatever the case, they're going to find other opportunities. And there are other opportunities in smaller programs that would love to have you and you can help elevate their program, and you get something out of it as well. So I I do think the dynamics of college basketball, you're seeing, to me, in my opinion, a little bit more of a shift than you are in football. I mean, Georgia's still going to get who they're going to get. LSU's still going to get who they're going to get. It's going to elevate some of the other programs too, but I think in college basketball, in my opinion, I think you're seeing a little bit of a shift more so than you're seeing in college football. And in a one-game situation in March Madness, you just never know. You could be a little bit off your spot, 
And another team that's not given a chance feels like if they stay in the game, and we've seen upsets, these upsets already where the team that's favored just doesn't have it, opens the door, and next thing you know, the underdog feels it a little bit, knocks down some shots, and before you know it, the upsets happen, and we've seen it already. But I, I do think it's a lot of factors. I'm just my point is that I think the transfer portal is a is a pretty decent piece of this. On that note, we'll take a timeout. We'll continue uh, the discussion um, in the chat room. Let us know. You think um, the trans? How big of an impact has been the transfer portal on basketball? We're talking basketball specifically, or do you think it's multiple factors? I brought up the point of just outstanding coaching and being able to make adjustments during a game. And we, we saw some coaches do that. And they had to put together a great game plan because FDU, they had to have a great game plan. And they executed their game plan. And I don't, I don't think they have any top five, quote, unquote, talent. I know they had some transfer portal uh, players to come in, but I, I'm I'm putting a lot of the weight on good coaching, execution, having a great game plan, and underdogs are saying this: "We're coming for you. We're we're seated low, but we're coming for the top seeds." And then parity, you hear that word? That's a factor as well. But I know there's sub-factors under that. When we come back, I think we're scheduled to have Coach Petaway on and um, let's get his perspective on all of this. I mean, I could be wrong. I'm just offering my opinion on it. But uh, March Madness, there's a reason why they call it March Madness. You will go mad if you fill out a bracket. I'm going on a strike. and I, I mean it. I'm not filling out a bracket for the next five years. <laughs> I know some how I know many, somebody else how says, many said that before. How many brackets uh-huh. are left? How many how many how many solid brackets are left? Is it less than a half a percent? I mean it's 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 unbelievable. I tell you what, they ought to do a, a com a competition and say this. What um underdog team Laura C will go the farther, the furthest, the fathers. Go far into the tournament because that's where the action's at. Everyone likes the underdog. We'll take a timeout. You're watching the Carlos Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience 
and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay. Call Cuvay. It's like a loop machine. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique to spice up your closet with trendy, unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Melvin Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvinboutique.com. That's www.melvinboutique.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique. Brian Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. Time to call a credit repair company to fix my credit. Hold the phone, man. You can do it yourself with Credit Versio. That's way too hard. Call the credit repair company. Most credit repair companies only work on one or two accounts at a time, making it slow and expensive. You won't figure that out for months. <laughs> Ignore him. Credit Versio's brilliant software scans all three credit bureaus, finds the accounts that are hurting your score, and guides you through the entire process. Anyone can do it. Let's fast forward and see the results. <laughs> wow, I fixed my own credit and saved hundreds. You can do this. Visit creditversio.com. I'm returning to Clinton, Paris, and Tampa's my community. I grew up here, went to school here, and my wife and I make our home here. What makes Tampa special are its people. So when I represent someone injured in my community, it's personal. Call my office and speak to a real lawyer and not some referral service. I will fight the insurance companies to get the settlement that you deserve. At the law office of Clinton, Paris, we take the pain out of being hurt. Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language. And she really loves her grandson. Like really loves. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter.
You know, it's always the sound of the band, whether it's at uh, NCAA tournament, of course, football season in Louisiana and in parts of Alabama, Mardi Gras. Bands are always entertaining. Speaking of entertaining, we've got the coach now. Coach Van Petaway joins us. Uh, Coach, I'm sure you was able to listen to the uh, conversation. Me and Charles having a, a discussion, a slight Slight disagreement, I guess, but I think me and Charles just likes we like to debate. That's just simple as that. <laughs> good, good morning, Coach. <laughs> hey, good morning, guys. Uh, I'm happy to be here. Uh, I know uh, you all are probably like millions of people across the country. Your bracket is already torn up, uh, yeah, because of all the, because of all the upsets. But um, believe it or not, three of my teams are still in play for the Final Four, so. I only messed up with Purdue. Purdue let me down. Other than that, I'm I'm still looking pretty good. Well, I, I'm glad. I'm gonna be pulling for you, Coach Petaway. I hadn't looked at that that bracket. I tore it up. <laughs> it, it happens every year. When am I going to learn? I'll leave it up to the experts or the, the coaches uh, like you guys because I mean we're we're, we're seeing and we've called them underdogs. We mentioned parody. We've seen it every year. Um, and thanks, Dr. Cavill. Dr. Cavill said it's not really a, a big increase in the decades, you know, right. since the transfer reporter with, you know, and I guess I'm interpreting that as they've always been upsets, and I think the numbers are kind of like even, maybe, Um with, with with these upsets, we've seen them. But when we can go back in history, even in the in the, in the SWAT, we saw uh, Southern upset Georgia Tech. I know they were they weren't a 16 seed, but they were a little bit better. But but coach, we see Fairleigh Dickerson, FDU, play well against Texas Southern and then pull off the shocker, knocking down a number one seed. Coach Pettaway, you're not surprised at what what's going on, are you? No, because his style of play, you, you got to think about it now. <clears throat> this guy has coached on all levels, high school, junior college, Division two, and he finally got his shot at a, as a head coach at a Division one school, uh, a school that uh, didn't win but five games last year. And he wow. got a – you remember now, if, if things had been right, he wouldn't have even been in the tournament. Merrimack won the regular season championship – they also won mm-hmm. the tournament. FDU got in because Merrimack is still in that uh, probationary period. So they're not okay. eligible to represent their conference. But his style of play, look at what he did now. He has the smallest team in Division One. His, his tallest player is 6'7". But he spreads people out. They shoot the three. They run. They press. And on on defense, he will adjust game by game to do whatever they think needs to be done to win the game. They felt like that if they collapsed on Edie, they would allow the other team, the other players on the team to beat them. They said Edie is not going to be the one to beat us. So what did Edie do? Every time he got it, they collapsed on it. He kicked it out. For that game, his perimeter people weren't knocking down shots. You know, they, they, they went, I think they only hit like two, three pointers the entire game. So he had a perfect game plan. 
His kids believed in what they were doing because they won all year. See, they had confidence mm-hmm. coming in because they knew that the, the, the previous year, that team had only won five games. And they were way above that. They didn't get the superstar transfers from the portal. This man brought three of his Division II players with him. And they're now stars on the Division I level. See, I think that's what that's where Division II gets a bad rap. A lot of people think those kids can't play, but I'm going to tell you something. Mm-hmm. Some of my better teams have been in Division II, and they could beat mm-hmm. anybody that would line up against us. So you can get players on all different levels. It doesn't necessarily have to always come from the portal because I we, we, we have examples in the SWAC of teams that relied heavily on the portal their season were not successful because, see, even when you mm-hmm. bring in all these different players, they still got to jail and be able to play your brand of basketball in a short period of time. It doesn't always work. And then the thing that you got to you, you, you gotta remember, too, if you look at what some of our football teams have done in the SWAC, they rely heavily on the portal, but they did not – they were not successful. So it doesn't work. The portal, just because you go to the portal, just because a kid was at a power five school and you bring them into your program, that does not turn your program into a winner. Because if that kid was not, if he leaving that power five school because of lack of playing time, there's a reason why that kid is not playing now. Hmm. Because that head coach of the power five school, he wants to win, so he's playing his best players. And a lot of times on that with that transfer, that means that that kid, kid's talent and skill level did not allow them to get into the rotation to where they can get the minutes that they were looking for. And so it, 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 it hurts when some of these teams rely specifically on the portal. It, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's not a, there's not a formula out there right now that says that if you hit the portal, it's going to mean automatic success because there are too many failures out there that have hit the portal and they are proven that it does not always work. But, but style of play, whether it's in football or basketball, has a lot to do with what happens during the game, during the competition. And we're seeing more of that uh, this year. You, you've had more more uh, higher seeds to, to, to go down because not only uh, did Purdue go down, you look at Virginia. Virginia failed. Mm-hmm. Arizona failed. So, see, you, you, got, you got other teams that are falling, and it's because of who they're playing, their style. They're not ready for that style of play. And in, in a determined action, you don't have a lot of time to prepare for your opponent. So matchups, correct matchups, matchups, matchups. and I and I and I still say coach coaching and making uh, in game adjustments because you just said you don't have a lot of you know well before the even before the first game that's probably the most time that you have right to do a scouting report correct but then correct. That, after that it's quick okay correct it, it's quick and see that it matchups really rely Let, let's stay in the SWAC when I was in the SWAC coaching. 
I, I could handle just about every team in the SWAC. We, mm. we did pretty decent against every team in the SWAC, right? When Arkansas Pine Bluff got burned, and, and Charles, you got to help me with this because I, you know, as I get old, I forget stuff. But that group that came in with Bird, them, they had my number, man. I, I could not. Mm. They're, the, 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 the three, the four, and the five. Oh, no, no. The, the, uh, yeah, the three, the four, and the five. I could not match up with them. So every time we played them, if I won the game, I barely won it. But with that group, they had a run against me because of matchups. It, it wasn't mm-hmm. – I was the same coach. I, I was doing some of the same things. I always knew that uh, there, there was a certain pressure that I could apply to them where I could create turnovers. That still worked. But when it came to me matching up against them on the defensive end, half court, I was at a disadvantage, man. Because of matchups. And, and that's what you will see sometimes in, in, in this tournament play. That's what you will see sometimes, uh, like in the SWAC this year. Alabama and them beating Southern three times. It was matchups. It was because of matchups. And, and, and every now and then, you're going to have a coaching cycle where you as a coach will create that problem. Or you gonna see that problem, and and, and that's what's hap- That that's what happened when you, when you, when you go go down to Alcorn when Coach Whitney used to own me on the reservation. It was always the matchups. He, his fours, I could never beat his threes and fours, but I, I could win at some of the other positions. But they were so powerful that they overcame what I what I put up. Coach Whitney was one of the first team, the first coaches in the squat to double team the post, my post. He would not let me beat him in the post. Because I didn't know if the double team was, I didn't know if the double team was, was, was coming across or if it was coming down, but it was coming. And I spent all my time teaching my, my post players how to step out, reverse, pivot, so that you could pass out of this double team. I said, because he's not going to allow you to score. I said, you might as well take the night off and become Magic Johnson by making assists. Because the man's not going <laughs> to let you score. <laughs> See, he's, he's going to wow. take that away. See, in, in every game, Carlos, as a coach, you're gonna when you start game planning, you're going to try to take something away that your opponent likes to do. And you better hope that mm-hmm. that's the right thing on your behalf because if they make an adjustment and start doing something else, you take that away from them and they do something else, you better be ready for it. Going into Ooh, every game, game adjustments. You make, right. You got to make, make that team that you're playing against uncomfortable somewhere on that floor if you're going to have a chance of winning the basketball game. And, and that's, with that's coach. what it's Right. That's what we're seeing, uh, Carlos. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, I was just saying, we're, if someone's just tuning in, we're visiting with Coach uh, Van Petaway, former men's basketball coach at Alabama A&M. Charles and Coach, you, I've always heard this. When this time of the year, before it starts, they say a tournament play. Now, this, they specifically talk about a tournament play, but I think it's 
overall, you got to have great guard play. And that leads me to this. Uh, Fernandez Griffin, he used to be an administrative assistant for Coach Pete Richardson. And he coached, he told me he coached AAU basketball. He said, he thought, in his opinion, in the swag, if you can have good guard play, and he also liked to have athletic bigs. But I'm going to go back to, to the guard play. How crucial, how important is that? Because I hear, I've heard this for years. Not that they're dismissing the post, but they're like, you got to have great guard play. You agree, Coach Petaway? Yes, I do. You got to whether whether you in the whether you in the swack or where or, 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 or whether you in the the, the MEAC or you in the Pac Ten or the Big Ten SEC. You better have good guard play or else all that mess going out the window. Because you got your number one, your guard has to set the table. Your, your guard's got to mm-hmm. set the table for other people to eat. He's got to set the table for the two to three to four and the five. He's got to be the coach on the floor to make sure that the ball is getting to the right place. All right? That guard also has to be able to understand time and score. He's got to do all these things. And most of the time, if you don't have good guard play, you can have the best post players in the world. It's not going to work. Your guard's got to be able to to stretch the floor. Your guard's got to be able to open things up so that your post game can work. Your guard has to be able to recognize uh, mismatch situations. Your guard's got to be able to come off of pick and rolls and put the ball in the right place. Your guard has to be able to make a pass. See, some people say just pass the ball. Heck no, don't just pass the ball. You got to (laughs) make a pass that your shooter can receive the ball in the shooting pocket and make a shot. If he receives a bad pass, and has to shoot the ball, that's going to be a missed shot. So there are a lot of little things that go into this, but if you don't have guard play, even in the NBA, the teams that win championships, they got great guard play. Yeah, they got the bigs, they got the forwards and the bigs, but those guys will be neutralized if you don't have good guard play in order to facilitate, to make sure that they're getting the ball at their sweet spots. I call it their sweet spot. Mm-hmm. You give me a shooter, you give me a guy that can shoot the basketball, and you show me, and he showed me where his favorite spot is, I'm going to design something to where we can get him there. Now it's up to my guards to make sure he gets the ball in his sweet spot, especially if he's a catch-and-shoot guy. I'm not talking about a guy that can create his own shot. I'm talking about you as a coach getting a player who can score – to his spot, and he gets the ball in the right shooting form. And that's where guard play comes in. It's very important, man. To me, you cannot win without good guard play because not only are they setting the table, now they got to turn around and disrupt the opponent. Mm -hmm. They have to turn around and disrupt the opponent so that they don't have good guard play. So Mm -hmm. it's very important, Carlos. Yeah, uh, and guys, um, I'm going to reference it to the, the analysts when I was watching uh, Texas Southern and uh, I call him FDU, Farrelly Dickerson. 
Their offense, Coach, can you speak on it? It, it? it was like they had five out, and it was like a motion. And when I tell you, even their bids can handle the ball and shoot, and, and, the, and the analysts were, were, were saying that was unique, and Texas Southern had a hard time dealing with it. But it was five the five players on the perimeter and a lot of ball reversal and, 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 and spacing and, and, and a lot of motion. Right, because what, what happened, because they're not big, so those were like guards that Walker uh, uh, Walker and Nichols, they were actually like having to guard a guard instead of to guard forwards and centers because they don't have that. You know, his six, seven people are really big, tall guards. Hmm. And so they're playing five out. Nichols, Nichols and Walker – are not accustomed to staying on the perimeter and playing defense. They'll come up on a screen. They Now, coaches told them whether or not in this game we're going to hedge or, or whether or not we're going to let our, our, uh, our defender come through. They're used to that. But that's one play where they go up and come back. FDU, they kept you on the perimeter. They kept you on the perimeter. So now they're staying out there. Now they can't be the dominant forces that they were on the inside. They can't rebound like they've been because they're on the perimeter. It's hard to rebound you at the three-point line. And, Coach, doesn't it also? In the swag, you didn't have anybody playing like that. Mm -hmm. So it was new to them. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. But coach, even Walker, who I think led Texas Southern, but then you gotta chase those guys out, you know, and then it 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 affects him offensively because right. the defense he's spending a lot of energy. Okay, right. I got it. See, I had to point to my head there. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly would, what that, I, Go ahead, y'all. Yeah, I, I would say this. You know, we've. We, in the football analogy, you know, you, you can't win in football without a quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. You've got to have good guard play to win in basketball. It's, it's kind of the same thing. And so yep. when, when you look at Black and your guards, you know, our guard Byron Joshua was really good this year. Didn't make all conference, should have, but he's really good. You know, he, he carried us in a number of games. P.J. Henry was out for Texas Southern yes, for the first right. part of the season. And that's part of the yep. reason why they started 0-5 in conference. He came back down the stretch. He scored 41 against us. He wasn't a big factor against us in the SWAC tournament game, but he had a really good run those last couple of games. And so clearly, when you look at that game with, with Fairleigh Dickinson, he wasn't as big of a factor. And when you have teams like uh, with the Texas Southern, when you have Jordan Carl Nicholas, as you talked about, Coach and John Walker, they're used to just camping on the block and in the paint. They're not used to being out on the perimeter. And so when you when you get a team with matchup issues like that and Texas Southern plays the way that they play, Johnny Jones wants those guys to be on the block. But then when you got to guard the perimeter, they go right around you. And, you know, when they get in the teeth of the defense, it's all over with. So it, it is a matchup issue for sure. But you got to have good guard play that can distribute, that can score, and that can play a little bit of defense if you want to have some success. Man, that makes me think of uh, Charles Princeton and then their offense. Oh, they backed it. 
Oh, my goodness. Back right. cut, you, yeah. A lot of motion. <clears throat> and, and see, when you when you run against teams like that, it, it, it messes with your psyche. It's sort of like in football, Charles. They don't see the triple option every game. And when they run mm. up against the triple option, it gives them problems in that game because no one else is doing it. And in basketball, you run into the same scenario. You'll come across an offense where they're playing the five out. You don't see that that often. It's hard to prepare for it, and it's hard for your, your players to make the adjustment to that. And, and, and <clears throat> that's why I'm saying style of play has a lot to do with whether or not you, you are in a game or have an opportunity to win a game. Yeah. And you gotta always remember that. See, we when the when the fans in the stands, they they don't understand. Well, why are we not doing better? Because they don't understand the game. They don't understand the game. I I, I thought Tech, Texas Southern did a great job coming up coming off of uh, the, the the SWAC win. I mean, winning the SWAC tournament. But you look at it now; they didn't have a lot of time to prepare for them. It wasn't a lot of time. You know they they. The days in between, <clears throat> number one, you got to get the film on them. You got to have time to break it down. And then you got to have time to translate it to your team. Where was that time? There was not a lot of time for that. There was not a lot of time for that. So I, I, I really, to be honest, Texas Southern, Alcorn State, Southern women, I felt like, and Jackson State's women, I felt like they all represented the swag well. No, we didn't win. No, we, we didn't win a game. But we, we were not embarrassed either. Yeah. We were not embarrassed. So I, I as a you know, a former coach of the SWAC, I'm proud of what our coaches have done and what they can do. And I guarantee you, you will in the future, you're gonna see a SWAC team win another playoff game. It's gonna happen. It, it, it's gonna happen. Yeah. Let me ask a quick. Let me ask you a quick question about the playing game. You you just brought up an interesting point because I'm hearing this privately, kind of behind the scenes, in terms of the philosophy of when you win the tournament and you go to the playing game compared to being a 16 or 15 seed. I always thought, in my opinion, I thought it was better to avoid the play-in, play on Thursday. Friday to start your first round game. But more of our SWAC coaches, from what I've been told, rather would go the play-in route, like a Texas Southern did when they won last year and then they played Kansas. You got to travel and all that. What is what is your philosophy of coach yourself? Would you rather go the play-in route or would you rather be a 15 or a 16 playing on Thursday or Friday to open up? And as you mentioned, you have more time to get back on campus Get film and then hit the road. What what's what's your philosophy on that? As if 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 you were coaching right now, what what path would you rather take? Well, if if if, if with the way things are set up right now, I'd rather go to the first four because number one, I'm gonna play a team that's more in line to what I've been doing all year in my conference. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now I got a better chance of beating that team. After, if I'm playing them on a Wednesday or a Thursday. Now, 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 Charles, go back to when I won the SWAC. We played on Sunday. We played Sunday mm -hmm. afternoon. And then I had enough time. 
I had enough time to get back to Huntsville for the six for the six o'clock show. I mean, you know, the announcement. All right. The next morning, I was on the flight and we played on a Tuesday. I didn't right. even get yeah. I didn't even get the film. I didn't we didn't even get the film until we got to the hotel. So I had no chance to relay stuff to my players. Now in that situation, no, I, I didn't want I would not want that. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. That was the most unprepared game that I've ever gone into, and it was because of logistics. Not because we didn't want to, it was logistics. But if but now that they let you play on Wednesday and Thursday, take that. All right. And then now, you know, back then we were exchanging actual film. I mean, uh see uh VHS tapes and that kind of stuff. Now you can just go on. You know, you can go on and, and, and download the stuff instantly, right? So now, right. as a coaching staff, you got this stuff where you can break it down. And as you're flying now, they can put it on the kids' phones, on their tablets. At least mm-hmm. they're seeing stuff. You know, you, you may not be going over to on the court right away, but at least the kids are getting an idea of what they got to go up against. So as a coach, I would – I would not mind playing in the first four because that's better than me going against a number one seed because if our conference is still doing the same thing to where we're, we're going to be either the, the last or the next to the last, we're going to be a 16 seed. When, when Southern beat Georgia Tech, they were a 13 seed. Right. They, see, they, they were a 13 seed. So they, they got a pretty good draw. They had more time to get ready. Okay? If you're playing late in the week, you got a better chance of preparing your team. Right. But with the first four game being on a Wednesday, I will take that. Because we're not playing on a Saturday. I will not I will take that. So now my kids get an opportunity to play against a team that they stand a better chance of winning. And now, as a as the swag, we get a win on our belt. Now they put us against that number one seed. Well, we already got one win. Who knows? We might do like FDU. We may have enough confidence after that first win that we may be able to upset that number one seed. So it, it, it's a it's a confidence thing. It's a it's a uh, game planning. And I promise you, fellas, you. You you gotta have your your the mindset of your players has got to be in the right place in order for you to pull off uh, a win like what FDU has done to pull off to put and, Purdue away. Yep, and 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 it's a good start as we look at the uh, the competition with uh, the, the SWAC on both the men's and the women's side, but playing against the Pac-12. You know, Grambling had. Uh, some good non-conference wins, Alcorn State and Wichita State. So that leads me to this. We've gotten better. And Charles interviewed the commissioner. Coach Petaway, quite honestly, I'm tired of having the conversation where we know as a conference, the blueprint is there. We know what needs to be done. But they're at the cross crossroads as far as the goal should be to, to to one day be able to get an at-large bid plus a you know a tournament champion. 
with that being said, the blueprint is we've got to got to change our scheduling philosophy. Do you see it happening anytime soon? Because I I've promised to go to be a monk in Tibet, shave my head. I'm already bald. What else can I do? I'm tired of having a conversation. Will will the conference as a whole change their scheduling philosophy in the near future? It would have to come from the conference office. It would have to be mandated from the conference office in order to get it done. Because if you leave it up to uh, individual schools, they're going after the money. They're going to play the money game. They're going to play 14 and 15. They, see, they're not looking at the mindset of the players. They, they, the administration not looking at that. They're looking at dollars and cents. You, We had this opportunity with this men's basketball team to go out there and bring in all this money, a million dollars. We're going to do it. Now they're not they're mm -hmm. not looking at how the kids are feeling, what they're going up against. They don't care. Well, no, I'm not gonna say they don't care. That's not part of their process when they think about this. But as a coach, I, I'm thinking about it. I don't want to play 14, 12. I don't want to play double digit guarantee games. I want to get mm -hmm. back to where. The squat used to be back when Coach Joe was at Southern. I knew for a fact that the conference told everybody to play regional teams. You could only play two two money games. When you play two money games, Southern got the squat was not the 16th seed because mm -hmm. they 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 won games against teams. Now they have changed the criteria now. Cause they want you with the quad one wins and and all of that all of that stuff, but I promise. How about you, quad two? Right, right. And see, quad with, three. With the seat, I was very disappointed that Gramlin did not go anywhere. With all the with all the non conference wins that they had against Power Five teams and and mid major teams, I felt like they should have been in postseason play. I, 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 I thought that the committees for the NIT. And the NC2A. NC2A was out from the get-go. I knew they weren't going to put them in at at-large. But I thought that the NIT would have given them a bid because of their schedule. Because of the wins that they had on their schedule. Quality I thought they should have been wins. in. Right. I thought they should have been in with their non-conference schedule. But in, in, in terms of the SWAC changing – it's got to come from the conference office. It's got to be man legislated, mandated. Mm. That's the only way it's going to happen. Because the administrators, the ADs, and the presidents are going to make those coaches go out and play those games. That's going to happen. That's and a the fact, man. And the presidents in chance to make up the council of presidents. Right. Well, Charles, I'm not going to hold my breath. We'll, we'll, you can have the discussion in the next three or four years I'm not going to do it I'm going to be stubborn but what I will hope for is that there's a change of the mindset hopefully hopefully that'll happen but uh, I'm not really too confident about it but I'll speak my mind I'll continue to speak my opinion on it 
and we we shall see. Guess we'll get the athletic perspective standpoint again uh, with with Will if he wants to speak on it again. But um, last but not least, Coach, I had something else I wanted to ask you. Um, was it about college? Was it about NBA? No, the tournament that that's postponed when during the break we oh. talked about it coming coming back and 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 would if it was going on this year i'm sure they would have been would they have invited gramlin state and would it have been a home game it gramlin state well that's up to gramlin now we okay first okay i mean you you, you you would offer them a home game yes oh uh, sure yes. okay i just want to be sure right right it, yes gramlin would have been in i'm gonna be honest Southern had an outside chance of getting in. Mm-hmm. Probably would have had to fought this year more, but I think they would have had a, 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 a chance of getting in. But that tournament did not make this year because we had so many teams to turn us down last year. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we could not put a, a full field out there last year because a lot of teams just didn't want to do it, man. They didn't want, they didn't want to participate. Coach, give the name and of the so, tournament again. CIT. Yeah. Okay. The C, CIT. So you got the CBI. That's going on now. You know they they got Co- their sixteen college. Teams. CIT Basketball college invitational tournament. Okay. Correct. Well, it's the college inside of the invitational tournament. That's that's okay, that's what the you. CIT were. But and, and and you know you've been having it for years. Uh, we've had several teams in the SWAC to play in it. Uh, Grambling, Alabama State. We, uh, we. It's been great to HBCUs. They would always get teams. We would always get teams out of MEAC, um and, and give them an opportunity to, to to have postseason play. And we just had a lot of teams that did not want to participate last year, and so mm-hmm. they made a decision not to even do it this year. So hopefully, uh, we'll have it back for next year. That's the goal. Yeah. That's the goal. Well, and it presents us- another opportunity for teams who lose in their conference tournament to continue, to continue their season. I remember like when I when, when we presented Jackson State, remember when when uh when Coach first got uh he Coach Brent when when he was mm-hmm. at Jackson State, they had that great run, they lost in the SWAC tournament. It, everything, they were all down at the press conference. And I was able to find their athletic director first and, and tell him that we wanted to extend an invitation. And when he accepted, I was able to come back into the uh, press conference because they were doing the post-game mm-hmm. press conference. And that's when I informed them that their season didn't have to be over with if they wanted to continue. And you could have, you should have seen it, man. The players and the coaches, they, they couldn't believe it. And it was different between night and day. But their invitation was extended during the post-game press conference. And, and I hey, thought was that was great for them. Yep. And they won, too. You know, they won their first game. Mm-hmm. They won their first game that, 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 uh, in that tournament. So it's, it's a great tournament, man. And it's been uh, – Joe, Joe Dwyer is the guy that has been doing this tournament for years. He's the guy that comes up with the uh, postseason award for coaches. You got the Ben Job Awards. You got you got uh, 
uh, Coach uh, Winston Salem. Oh, man. Big um, House Games. I'm sorry. Yeah, Big House Games Award. So, so you know, he, he's, he's named his award, some of his awards, after uh, HBCU coaches. He tries to have a John McClendon Classic where he puts an HBC school against uh, either another school. The, the ideal thing is to go HBCU against HBCU, but we haven't always been able to pull that off. But he's always looked out for the underdog. And these coaches and and players have been getting recognized for years, man, by this organization. And, and, and I was really hurt when we did not, as a, as a SWAC, accept the bid to a tournament that's been out there uh, that has been helping HBCUs for all these years. But that was just me personally hurt because I've been right. on the – I'm on the committee. Uh, I'm, I've been a part of their board for years, and it, it, it just hurt me because I'm from the SWAT, and I want to see the best right. for us. But Southern had their reasons, so I, you know, I have to, I have to live with that. I have to live with that. Well, you know, it I seems think like some of that, Carlos, could could be financial mm-hmm. too. I mean, I just found out for the NIT, for example, that you don't get a guarantee for going to the NIT financially. They help. They you get help with some expenses, but other than that, you're not profiting from the NIT. It's all about exposure. I mean, like Coach said, it's about playing some more postseason basketball. Get your program out there. Get your conference out there. Even though, you know, you, you don't get the NCA thing, but the NIT is a prestigious tournament, and so you you want you want to get your name out there. So, you know, finances do play a part in some of this too, I believe, um, because if it's costing you a lot of money to go. And you're not getting anything back financially. That's a that's a tough call to make for some administrators, CFOs, presidents, ads, especially during this time of year where there's no football going on. And that's a whole nother conversation. But that's just the reality of the mindset of what's going on today within our schools that don't get talked about a lot. Financially, it's tough right now. You know, in terms of just you know making a, a buck or two. So I think that's that's a big factor in it as well. In in my opinion. Right, and then, well, but I'm gonna tell you this now. For us, we pay the expenses. Yeah, we we mm-hmm. we, we pay the expenses. Yep, yep. But but it's a well, it's I, a. Uh, but but you're right, Charles, because some schools don't want to host. That's why they want to host. Uh, uh, you you talk to a school about host, they said, no, no, no. We rather go on the road. They were having hmm. they were have there have been years where they were having problems getting to, uh, schools to host. But now it wasn't just financial. Sometimes the arenas are already given out. You know that that's why, like in the NIT now, we got several schools that would have hosted, but they had to go on the road because their administration has already uh, rented out their uh, basketball arenas. Right. Sam Houston yep. State was one mm-hmm. because our our game, if we had won, we would have played Sam Houston State or Santa Clara. Sam Houston was the higher seed, but their arena was unavailable. So they took their home right. game to Santa Clara. So that that's an example there. Yeah, the arena was unavailable in that situation. Right, right, right. Yeah, that that will happen. That 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 has happened too. So uh, you, you're right. Finances play uh, uh, a lot in postseason play when when it's not the NC two A that where. But you still even with NC two A, you know they pay for your flights and all that up front, but you don't really get your money until the thing is over with. Right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, that that leads, and we'll I guess discuss this at a, a at a later date. Um, there's conversation of uh, talk, I guess, about fans and alums about a HBCU tournament, you know, <laughs> postseason. So we'll that, stop right there. And look, yeah, <laughs> I, I think, oh, 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 and look, yeah, we're gonna need about a month to talk about that because <laughs> there, there, have, there are there have been two. There have been two uh, that I'm aware of groups, mm-hmm. two different groups that have talked about having a HBCU national championship in basketball, and and I think is is needed. I, I is it time? Is it time? Is it time? Get all the thinking yeah, minds I, I, together okay. and get it done. I, I think, hey, hey Carlos, it it should happen, but I still think we ought to come up with a formula where. A team can still participate in the NC2A. All right, I, I'll tell you this much. The group that I was being a part of, if it had worked out, you weren't even going to have – the tournament wasn't going to even start until the Elite Eight. Because what that would have done, that would have given whatever team in the MEAC or the SWAC that went to the, uh, to the playoffs, to NC2A playoffs, if they lost before the Elite Eight, they were still eligible to compete for the national championship. So, in other words, we would have been taking the conference's champion versus a runner-up to participate in the tournament. And I, and I mm. like that concept. I like that concept. Still give that school an opportunity. Now, if they're in the Elite Eight, you don't, they don't need to play for a national championship. They have won it. <laughs> They have yeah. won the Black College National <laughs> Championship if they are in the Elite Eight of the NC2A. They have proven that they're the best team in Black College basketball. But in case they don't, they get put out in 64, they get put out in 13, or they get, get put out in 16, they still got an opportunity to participate. And I thought that was cool. I, I thought that – I said, you know what? I think coaches will go for this. I know if I was a coach, I'd go for it. Well, the conversation has started up again. I, I want to see all the creative minds, former coaches and the coaches, marketing people, the whole shebang. Get together and let's see if this can be become a reality. reality. Coach, yep. Coach Petaway, appreciate the time as always. Back next week, we'll, we'll okay, talk yep. some NBA and we'll see where uh, – Anybody in our audience has their their bracket still still left. I tore okay. mine up. Goodness. All right. You and your right, family Charles, continue to stay safe and blessed. All right, Charles. You you and Carlos, man. Y'all be good, man. And we'll see you next week. All right, Coach. Appreciate it. All right, All right Coach. I don't know if I'll be good, but I guess I'll have to be good. <laughs> We're gonna take a time out. When we come back, we schedule a visit with uh, Willa Brown here on the Coles Brown Show. Uh, Continue the conversation in the chat room. Very interesting uh, conversation going on. We'll be back after this timeout. You're watching the Coles Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network.
Well, I guess we're not going to a break. <laughs> Charles, it's uh, it's always with Coach Pellaway. Very entertaining. Also, uh, kind of glancing at some of the comments uh, in, in the chat room, people are, are, are agreeing with um, Coach Pellaway and, and I guess enjoying the, the conversation as far as when we talk about the blueprint for the conference going forward. Um, interesting that Coach Petaway uh, uh, talked about it. it has to come, you know, the schedule philosophy has to come from the, uh, take the, the lead comes from the uh, SWAC office. And that's in itself is going to be a, a very interesting. Council presidents, of course, have a, a lot, a lot to say about it. They have the pull. The commissioner works for the council of presidents, but I rest assured, I, I think Dr. McClellan has the proper mindset, leadership to kind of to, to push the narrative and, and get something done. I, in my opinion, I think Dr. McClellan has probably nudged uh, the ADs, the presidents, and the basketball coaches to lean the way that we've been talking about. I'm not going to say he's demanded, but he's nudged. And I think that's about all he can do. Mm -hmm. As a commissioner, yes, you can strongly encourage. Can you mandate it? Probably not. And I can go back to the previous commissioner. He was going to mandate kind of a 9-5-3 formula scheduling model. You got nine of those big games one year and year two, five and the next year three. He had that on the board, uh, never got off the ground, but it was something he told me about at the time, former Commissioner Sharp. Um, I don't know if the commissioner can can demand, he can nudge and strongly encourage, because at the end of the day, I think he knows, being a former AD at Peravia, Texas Southern, that there's only so far he can go with that. If, in fact, that you have to bring in a certain amount of money and guarantees, then that kind of throws the idea out the window a little bit. Yes. The quad one and quad twos, those, you play those games, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to bring in the type of money because the quad ones might not be the Kentuckys and the North Carolinas. The quad ones might be the Stephen F. Austins and the Central Arkansas, in which you're going to get maybe 40000 instead of seventy five. So I think, you know, the money issue is probably the biggest factor. And so would we like to have the best overall seed, the best seed we can get, sure. But I think it comes down to dollars and finances. And until that attitude changes, and it goes back to the conversation we have about, you know, having more attendance at home games to where you bring in more revenue. And I thought attendance in SWAC games was really good this year. Southern had good attendance. Uh, all point had good attendance. But it's not across the board. And the finances at our schools aren't the same from 1 to 12. So until we kind of get on the same page, then I think it's going to be a struggle. You know, in the SEC and these Power Five conferences, as they say in basketball, you play on a string. These conferences understand the more teams you have in the big dance, the more revenue you get. So when you have the SEC with eight teams in, when you have the Pac-12 with six teams in, that's just more money for the conference, more money for the schools. So until we can get to that point and we're not there yet, then I think we're going to continue to have what we have, the one bid, the one team, you have the NIT, you have the CBI, but until the changes, 
the attitude changes, the philosophy changes. I think we're going to continue to have this conversation. Again, for me, I just think it's it's tough for me because every year in October, November, December, I'm screaming from the hills like, look, folks, pay attention to what we're doing and not doing in our conference because in March, we're going to be frustrated. And you're seeing that yet again. And I know, Carlos, you're probably ready to close book on it because it's, 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 it's beating a dead horse. I get it. I get it. But I think it's up to us, people like Dr. Cavill, me and you, Brian Fulford, um, Sports Zone, to help inform and educate our fans in terms of what it takes. The commissioner, we got to put it out there at least to say, hey, this is the blueprint. This is what needs to be done. And if we put it out there, then I think we've done our job. And that, that's all I think we can do as far as as far as this is concerned, because I want to see the SWAC team, just like when Southern beat Georgia Tech. What seed was Southern when they beat Georgia Tech? They were, a, they were a higher seed than a lot of people thought, and it was ripe for an upset. I would love to see that in the SWAC every year to get a 14 seed, a 15 seed, a 13 seed. But you can't do it just by your own body of work. It has to be the conference's body of work, 1 through 12. And we're not there. So therefore, you're going to get the one bid. We got we to gotta eliminate the 9B1s. You can't have five or six conference schools with one win, 1-11, and 0-13. That can't happen. That can't happen. And then in March, as we're sitting here now, we're kind of frustrated. I'm frustrated because I just would like to see better as far as the seed is concerned. I can't do anything about it. But all we can do is just educate and say, hey, this is what it takes. The commissioners talked about it. So I think if we do that, we've done our part, and we just hope the powers that be at our schools see it, get together at the spring meetings, which is coming up in May, get in a room with the commissioner, get in a room with all 24 of our basketball coaches, men and women, and say, look, this is what needs to be done. If we want this higher seed or if we want more than one team, if we want it at large, if we're interested in that, this is what it takes because the commissioner's on the committee. He, As far as the men are concerned, he's on the NCAA basketball committee. He knows what it takes. He knows what it takes. I think you, you've got the best resource available, Dr. Charles McClellan, because he's in the room in Indianapolis when these decisions are being made. Who's in? Who's out? He knows what it takes. And I think that's the best resource you can have. We don't have to speculate. He's right there in the room. He can tell you what to do and what not to do. So I think it's just I want action. Yeah. I, I, I want action. I and he's, he's a vice president. He's going he's gonna to be the president of the committee. So, you know, it's, yeah. it, it, I would, I would, too much talking, too to much talking it. going on. Too much. I, I would, I would, I would agree. I'm just, I'm just venting a little bit because coaches, I think want the best for their program, the best for the conference. I'm a swag guy. You're a swag guy. You want to see the best. I want to see the best. A lot of us want to see the best. And I just think we're coming up short year in and year out. And this time of the year, in March, March Madness, we have this conversation every year. And I would just like to just see something different. But it looks like that's not the case. So we just continue to beat a dead horse. Well, we're going to take a time out. We're going to visit with uh, Willa Brown. Coming up next, you're watching the Carlos Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. It's like a loot machine.
Watch your favorite black colleges. Some of the best players in the land. HBCU. Lead pass. It's game time. I'm proud and I love my HBCU. HBCU. Lead pass. Watch your favorite black colleges. Some of the best players in the land. HBCU. Let's get back to getting ticks instead of watching flicks. Before we can safely get out there, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your crew. Nope. Nope. Want him? Ooh, I like him. Quicker Picker Upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the Quicker Picker Upper. If you think all pads are exactly the same, think again. This is Always Ultra Thin's reinvented with the Always Triple Protection System. This pad wicks gushes 90% faster, absorbs even more so you can feel dry, and locks odors in. Rethink your pad for up to 100% leak-free and odor-free comfort with the totally reinvented Always Ultra Thins. This is always like never before. Welcome back to the Carlos Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. Um, we won't have Willa Brown, but um, he will be on next week. Something came up. Those things happen. Uh, but we appreciate Willa Brown 99.9% uh, of the time. When called upon, he comes on the show. Um, I want to put up a graphic for you now in conjunction with Southern University uh, university athletic department they're going to uh 
have a uh, locker room capital campaign fundraiser. When? April 1st, 2023, 11 a.m., A.W. Mumford Stadium. As you can see on the picture, the fundraiser is you can pre-order for $25 a crawfish dinner mm. with all the fixings. Oh, yeah. Uh, you see lemons, corn, potatoes. Oh. But guess what? I don't eat crawfish, but I'm going to make my donation. Matter of fact, I'll make a donation for one lucky person. I'll get you. And no, it's not you, Charles, because $25 <laughs> would not cover your appetite for crawfish, sir. But we maybe we can do that. Maybe we can do more, but <laughs> excuse me. Uh, crawfish is a delicacy. That, that's, that's a good one, Carlos. That's a good one. I give it to you. I give you thumbs up on that one. <laughs> well, 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 yeah, I, I, I'm being honest. I mean, yeah, you can oh, yeah, put down yeah. the crawfish. So <laughs> yes. with that being said, it's a fundraiser. And here's the most serious part. The project that they're they're um that's the blueprint for the project will be uh, locker room renovations for Southern University. And and, and I'll in a serious note, you know, young student athletes and young people of this age, they're different. They want to see, they want to see things. And a lot of these student athletes, particularly if you come from Texas, but not only Texas where their facilities are, they're used to accommodations that are very nice. That's the best way I can put it. So you've got to always update, renovate. And Southern University Athletic Department and University, this is part of a fundraiser, not the only one, to help uh, present a whole brand new uh, locker room facilities for uh, Southern University football team. And uh, I'm going to reach out to have, uh, I know one of the guys leading the, um, the the fundraising, have him to come on this show. Um, with, with that being said, also, um, maintenance and maintaining. When you get new facilities, maintenance is important to maintain, okay? So when you get something new and you get something brand new, what is to keep the longevity, maintenance, maintain. So uh, these athletes deserve uh, the best accommodations that they can get, and we can help do that with supporting that fundraiser. That's just a start. And you can see pre-order at the foundation, SUS.edu, Southern University Football Crawfish Ball. I don't think I called it a crawfish ball, but I should have. But as you can see in Louisiana, again, it's a delicacy. Oh, uh, yeah. Just because I can't enjoy it, but not only in Louisiana. I think throughout the, the South, the deep South, that is something that you don't pass up. Then good conversation. Then you have the spring game uh, that day as well. So come out and support it. Please do. Coach Dooley and the entire athletic staff and football staff would appreciate it. And speaking of spring football, quarterback position is heating up. Harold Blood doing very well. Talk to someone.
who talked to the new quarterback coach, Willie Totten, and and he is enjoying Baton Rouge and enjoying uh, being a part of the Southern University staff. Uh, you got Noah Bolton, and then I got to practice on this last name, Dolan, uh, Dolan McCrotro. I'm going to get better. That still may be wrong, but we'll call him Dolan M for the rest of the show. Transfer quarterback from the University of Alabama, Birmingham, but Harold Blood impressing Coach Dooley so far. Also, defensively, they've added some athletic linebackers. They talked about um, getting more speed on the defense because, Charles, if you look at it defensively, Southern top two in the conference last year, so they just want to add and maintain. That's that word again, maintain uh, defense. But once again, every year you got to add something. You can't rest on your laurels. They figured that they've got to get more speed on the defense. They narrowed it down. Uh, to bring in some more uh, linebackers. So, but I know everyone likes to talk about who's going to win the quarterback derby. Right now, according to my source, if they had to play a football game right now, Harold Blood gets the nod. But competition, competition, competition. Spring, after the spring, going into to the fall camp, but Coach Dooley, according to his comments, he's comfortable naming a starter at you know after this coming out of the spring. And I know that philosophy is different. Some will wait; they'll extend the competition to the fall. But such is the case for Coach Dooley and this uh, football program. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, it is. I mean, th- this week of at least here at Alcorn, I don't know about Southern. We had our spring break, um, which which is over with now. So they'll be back at it come Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't have any practice at all during spring break week, and to, to my surprise, I some other schools who have their spring break don't uh, don't go at it. That was kind of a surprise to me. Uh, I know at Jackson State they have their spring break and th- they didn't go at it. Valley. So, I mean, I, I would think that during spring break, you know, with no students on campus, you're still kind of going at it, but that's not the case. So, you're going to kind of pick it up in full speed here with the spring games coming up. Ours is April the 1st. And so, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what uh, what Alcorn has to offer. We just started an 1871 collective, Carlos, that, that was out there on social media. We got three student-athletes um, that are a, a part of that. Tyler Macon, who who was a Mizzou, uh, Mizzou transfer quarterback, Jarvion Howard. And we got a softball uh, player that's also in that collective. So there's a there's a lot going on, Carlos, you know, with NIL being a big recruiting pitch for a lot of these student athletes. With football going on, spring practice, there's just a lot to talk about now that basketball season is over with. I'm anxious to see how these new coaches and new quarterbacks all round out, Carlos. And I was talking with the commissioner about that, too. I'm like, the storylines this offseason are more than what we had the previous year. And he admitted, even though Coach Sanders is gone, um, there's still never a shortage of storylines in the swag. So he's looking forward no. to it. I'm looking forward to it. You're, you're looking forward to it. We all are. Yeah, because, you know, I've said it before. This conference uh, has had great things happen to it. Have They've had great student athletes. No matter what sport, before 
Coach Sanders came into the Southwestern Athletic Conference. And, and you always remember that, you know, the legacy, the history. It's always been there. Grambling State put a lot of people in the pro football NFL. Not only Graham, but Graham has the most, as, as equal to Notre Dame, better. So you never have to take a backseat to anybody as far as from a historical standpoint. And we wish Coach Sanders the best. He's moved on. And I'm going to move on now. Baseball. Southwestern Athletic Conference. Uh, Grandma State over Southern, 8-7 to seven in 12 innings. Southern baseball, wow, on a big-time losing streak. Texas Southern over Pine Bluff, 9-7. to seven. It was Alabama A&M over Jackson State. Alabama A&M, a very improved team. Alabama State over Bethune-Cookman, 11-3. So baseball-wise, Southerners picked to come out of the West, out of the East. It was, uh, was it, no, Bethune-Cookman, was it FAMU? Well, I can't remember. So I'll tell you, getting middle-aged moments. But Southern is struggling. Southern is struggling. Uh, They've had um, some leads in some games, but when they go to the bullpen, uh, they've had some regular starters out, you know, playing around with some lineups, trying to get ready for a conference season. Conference season is here. Grambling State. Over Southern, 8-7. to seven. So, Charles, baseball, now in the swing of things, conference-wise, and we'll see who uh, comes out on top. It, it's it's, it's going to be a long season, but but it moves r- quickly. And before you know it, you're talking about swag, swag baseball uh, tournament. So you got to get off to a good start, and you want to be consistent. And then also, who can overcome a little adversity? Do you want the adversity in the beginning or the end? Because it's coming. It's coming. Those who adjust and get over the adversity will do well. Yeah, as far as all corners concerned, we got 15 new players, very young. Um, we're going to play a game today and a doubleheader tomorrow because yesterday we had some bad weather. Um, I'm anxious to see how this Braves team, we've struggled clearly. Um, in, in non-conference. It got some tough non-conference games to go. We go to Valley Tuesday. Valley beat us last Tuesday. I think Valley's going to be an improved team in the East. I know Coach Barney, he played at Alcorn. I talked with him when we played up there for basketball. He's got that Valley team going. And, of course, you know what happened there with the call third strike against UNO and how that generated a whole bunch of conversation with the umpires. That that was hard, but does he, does he have a job left? Does he have a job left? Probably not. I mean, because that was so egregious. Those last two balls were just egregiously low and outside. I mean, just not even close. He, he looked like he just but, wanted to get go home. Yeah. So, and, and, you and, know, shame on you. Yeah. And, and, and what you're seeing, I mean, it's a whole other topic, but what you're seeing is that uh, officials are giving up the sport. I mean, officials are tired of the, the berating from the coaches, from players, from fans. And there's a shortage of officials in all sports, you know, these these days. So I, I think that's a whole nother subject for another day. But Valley's much improved. Um, Jackson State lost to Alabama AM. and you know, Jackson was on a nine-game winning streak. And um, Alabama AM, they got a good young feisty coach that I know pretty well and you yet and you know well. And I think he's gonna he's gonna have that program going. So I think once swag baseball gets underway, which it has, I think you're gonna see a lot of intense games. 
you're going to see a lot of interesting games and a lot of action. I, I, I would agree. I would agree. Well, get ready to wrap up this week's edition of uh, the Coles Brown show. I uh, want to thank, of course, Charles Edma, Coach Van Petaway, Willa Brown had a, 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 an unfortunate emergency uh, come up, so we'll visit with him uh, next year. What we talked about on today's show, SWAC HBCUs, postseason games come to an end with Coach Petaway. We, we, oh, boy, we talked about a lot of uh, SWAC basketball, some things that the conference has to do. The blueprint is out there. The big question is, at the crossroads, that's my way of uh, terming it, uh, at the crossroads, what are you going to do now to move these basketball programs as a conference to make them better where um, we can see better progress in the near future? Southern Spring football continues to ask some other schools in the conference. Uh, the big question is who will come out of the spring as the number one quarterback? That's one of the storylines, not not the not the only one. Uh, congratulations once again to uh, Texas Southern University, the men's 2023 tournament champions on the women's side, uh, Southern University 2023 women's tournament basketball champions. Um, got an email once again to briefly talk about it. Still speculation about Coach Woods. Will he return as Southern's basketball coach? Uh, since I've been on the air, got got a text message that's saying that something, I'll just term it this way, something may be brewing. Something may be brewing, but um, thanks to Mr. Williams who sent me the email. Uh, coach Wood's contract officially is up June 30th, 2023. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Either you're going to have to renew it or you're going to go in another direction. On the women's side, Coach Funches, second tournament championship in five years, safe. Uh, his extension ends June 3rd of 2024. So, in my opinion, I'm more sure of Coach Funches getting a continuation, a new contract or an extension with Coach Woods. I'm not sure. It's going to be interesting if we hear something uh, before the next time you see us. I'll I'll let you know. But um, and also March Madness, the true term March Madness. It has been maddening. If you have uh, tournament brackets or challenges, you do all that. God bless you, because it's been ripped again, <laughs> ripped again right off the bat. Charles, closing comments for you. We have, you know, that's interesting about coaches' contracts. You know, here at Alcorn, mm -hmm. your coaches' contracts are kind of tied to the end of the season. So for football, coaches' contracts are usually up in December. Um, you know, with basketball, it's usually in March, the end of March, uh, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting how Southern, that, how their contracts are handled. Maybe because it's the end of the fiscal year. I don't know, but this time, yeah, fiscal time, year, mm -hmm. the end of the fiscal year. So it's just, you know, there's time to make a decision, but you don't have a lot of time. I mean, you know, if, if you're going to make a change, you want to give the new coach opportunity to recruit and all that if you decide to make a change. So I'm, I'm anxious to see how this how this goes. And we talked about it last week. 
You know, Roman Banks, when he was the coach, winning at a 70% clip, Sean Woods is one at a 60% clip. Is that acceptable for a Southern University? We'll see. Um, I think I'll take 70%. 75. 75%, 75% is my. Yeah. So it, my guess is, my look, and I hate, you know, I hate that because I like Coach Woods as a person. I think he's a fiery, feisty guy who just wants to win. It's, but it is a results-oriented business. So we'll we'll see the results of, of all that here shortly. I think the saying is, is it's never personal. It's business. Right. It's never personal. It's business. Yeah. And, um, you know, if it comes to that, you thank him for his time and um, you, you move on. If you decide to keep him, I, I agree with uh, Willa Brown. You can't just offer one year contract, but then you're right back again where 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 you started. So either you go all in or you go all out. But we we shall see. Want to thank Melody, and uh, oh, last but not least, BFF, best friend forever. Happy birthday, March eighteenth. That's to my best best. BFF, best best friend forever. I guess we put it that way. <laughs> and um, everybody out there, enjoy yourself. Have a great weekend, and make sure you tune in next Saturday at 11 a.m. for another edition of the Coles Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. And Charles, yep, right on cue. <laughs> There's the chop, Alcorn State guy himself. Until next Saturday, as always. Peace and God bless.